Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Thank you for joining us again. And uh, welcome if it's your first time. So today's program, we are going to be focusing on a particular little repertoire that was recorded for Decca Records. Uh, with a couple of exceptions, possibly. We'll see how the time goes. These were all done between 1935 and 1938-39, thereabouts. And they were done by members of the Chick Webb Orchestra. We've done a podcast on uh, one of the transcription sessions that the Chick Webb Band did. Uh, this was the group that was legendary in uh, Harlem big bands. It was a uh, band led by the African-American drummer Chick Webb. was born in Baltimore in 1897. And it was considered one of the best dance bands of the 90s. 1930s, played at the Savoy Ballroom and uh, was a great favorite of dancers and the Lindy Hoppers in that period. Chick Webb himself was one of the best drummers of the age. Gene Krupa uh, said that uh, Webb was one of his great influences and uh, unusual at that point certainly to have a band led by a drummer, a popular band at any rate. So this band had a number of great soloists go through it over the years. It had actually a pretty solid personnel from about 1934 until 1939 when Webb died. Uh, he died of uh, spinal uh, meningitis uh, fairly young, obviously about 42 years old or so, and uh, he had uh, had a, a lifetime of ill health and chronic pain. He was a, a had was afflicted with dwarfism as well as the um, spinal issues that he had. He had to have a special drum seat made with pedals and so forth, and it's quite amazing that he could play drum solos or, or, or play at all, really, given the extent of his physical problems. But he was driven to put together a great dance band uh, and a great jazz band as well. Up until about 1935, it was popular with the dancers and with a very local population in Harlem, but uh, it wasn't until he hired a young woman named Ella Fitzgerald to be his uh, primary vocalist that the band really began to take off commercially. I say a woman, she was actually a girl at the time. Ella Fitzgerald was born in either uh, 1917 or 1918, depending on what source you look at. And she was only a teenager when she joined Webb. She had uh, done well at an amateur contest at the Apollo Ballroom, which won her a week's performances with the Tiny Bradshaw Band. And uh, Webb heard her there, and uh, several of his musicians really pushed for him to hire Ella, who was not uh, a traditional beauty in uh, the sense of most big band singers, black and white singers. They were supposed to be kind of sexy and svelte and uh, look good as well as sound good in front of the band. And uh, Ella Fitzgerald was kind of shy, and a little bit uh, chubby at the time, and she was not, uh, she did not sort of fit into that idea of beauty. But her voice was so incredible, and her musicality was so far advanced beyond most big band singers at the time that uh, people began to sit up and take notice of her. She started recording with the web band in 1935 uh, with some pop songs and so forth, but she was really. Transcending the idea of pop song, she was doing in a different way what Billie Holiday was doing. Billie Holiday, of course, had a, a very particular voice and a very unusual approach to popular music where she was improvising as a horn player would. Ella Fitzgerald was more melodically uh, uh, inclined, I guess you'd have to say, and had a more traditional sounding voice, but she had, if she didn't have perfect pitch, she had something very close to it, and she had. Uh, really internalized the idea of swing in the sense of uh, swing players like Louis Armstrong and uh, people like that. She was greatly influenced by uh, the Boswell sisters and Connie Boswell in particular. And uh, she had a very light uh, swinging way with a song that uh, never really got 
to be treacly or hokey or anything like that. And she had a series of uh, hit recordings with the Webb Big Band over the years, especially things like uh, Taint What You Do and uh, Tisket a Tasket and uh, quite a few other songs that uh, really put her and the band on the map. So the band itself was recording for Decca Records during this period, and uh, much as other bands did, uh, Webb started featuring small groups. Uh, he had a little band called the Little Chicks, which was a clarinet and a flute with the rhythm section. It was kind of an interesting innovation, an interesting take on the small group jazz of the day. But Ella Fitzgerald was engaged to lead a series of recordings, also on Decca, uh, using musicians from the Chick Webb Band, and it was called Ella Fitzgerald and Her Savoy Eight, and those are the recordings we're going to be concentrating on mostly today. So the first of the Savoy 8 recordings were made in November of 1936, November 18th and 19th. She'd already been singing with the web band for about a year and a half at that point, and uh, her popularity was increasing uh, with every record and every appearance. So this was her first sort of starring vehicle, I guess you'd have to say. We're going to hear four tunes that were recorded on two days, November 18th and 19th of 1936. We're going to hear My Last Affair followed by uh, one of her signature tunes, um, Organ Grinder's Swing. Of course, that was kind of a nursery rhymey tune. We heard uh, the Jimmy Lunsford version of that also for Decca on an earlier podcast. Uh, I should mention that we're, uh, My Last Affair was a Haven Johnson tune. Then we're going to hear an old tune, actually two old tunes. It must have been a conscious decision to bring back some 1910s tunes. Shine, the Ford Dabney tune, which had been made famous by Louis Armstrong, and At the Darktown Strutter's Ball by Shelton Brooks. And both of these were kind of uh, minstrel or tent show types of tunes from a very earlier period, but given an up-to-date treatment and some very uh, unusual emphases by Ella Fitzgerald. So in this band, we're going to hear some of uh, Chick Webb's top solos. We're going to hear Taft Jordan on trumpet, Sandy Williams on trombone, Pete Clark on clarinet and alto sax, Teddy McRae on tenor, and it says baritone sax, but it sounds for all the world like a bass sax on Darktown Strutter's Ball, Tommy Fulford on piano, John Truhart on guitar, Beverly Peer on bass, and Chick Webb himself on drums, all backing Ella Fitzgerald uh, with uh, the Ella Fitzgerald and her Savoy 8. So we're going to hear those four tunes, and then we're going to jump ahead to uh, the next Savoy 8 session, and we're going to hear a tune called If You Ever Should Leave Me. And this is from uh, May 24th of 1937, with the same personnel, except Louis Jordan uh, plays alto sax instead of Pete Clark. Louis Jordan was shortly to go uh, out on his own with the Timpani Five and start the whole rhythm and blues boom, really, uh, in about 1939 or so. Bobby Johnson also plays guitar. He's replacing John Trueheart. So that's our fifth tune, If You Ever Should Leave. And before that, as I said, we're going to hear My Last Affair, Organ Grinder's Swing, Shine, and the Darktown Strutter's Ball. Can't you see what love and romance have done to me? I'm not the same as I used to be. This is my last affair. My happiness is misery This is my last affair Ride 
Right from the start You took my love Tore my heart apart Now there's nothing new To look forward to My dreams won't come true So I'll make a vow No more to love shrine will I bow I cross my heart and I'll seal it now This is my last affair
like a rich aristocrat. Every nickel that you fling makes that organ grinder swing. Hi ho! Down, you get you in a taxi, honey. Better be ready about half past eight. 
don't be late Be there when the band starts playing Remember when you get there, honey Dance all over the floor Dance all over my shoes When the band plays the Jelly Roll Blues Say tomorrow night at the Dogtown Status
have some very good features for Ella Fitzgerald, but uh, not neglecting the other members of the band either. So as I said, those came from 1936-37. They were in some ways probably designed as a a counterpart to the Billie Holiday series that was going on over at Columbia, the Teddy Wilson ARC recordings that Billie Holiday also did, and Ella uh, Fitzgerald recorded on a couple of those as well. So just bringing out pop tunes or tunes that were hoped uh, would uh, get the dancers going or something like that, and uh, increase the popularity of the tunes, and in this case, the singer as well. So we started out with four tunes from uh, November of 1936, My Last Affair, a very nice song. It's not one that gets revived too often these days, but it was a great standard, which also featured some uh, superior trumpet work by Taft Jordan, who was uh, definitely a Louis Armstrong disciple. He had been playing in the early 30s in Philadelphia. He'd recorded with the Washboard Rhythm Kings and some other groups before joining uh, Chick Webb in about 1934, and stayed with him more or less until he died with a couple of uh, short uh, hiatuses in there. And then he stayed with uh, Ella Fitzgerald after that uh, for a while when she took over the band in 1939. Later in his career, he played several years with uh, Duke Ellington's band and then a little bit later with Benny Goodman as well. After that, we heard the nursery rhyme tune, Organ Grinders Swing. And uh, this was one that was... uh, a hit for Ella, sort of came on the heels of a tisket, a tasket. Uh, she was getting pigeonholed a little bit as a, uh, a sort of a corny um, nursery rhyme singer. Thank goodness she her artistry transcended that. That was a tune by Will Hudson and Mitchell Parrish, and uh, that featured all of the horns. Teddy McRae on tenor sax, Sandy Williams on trombone, Taft Jordan on trumpet, and Pete Clark on clarinet. Uh, most of those are featured on the next tune, Shine, that Ford Dabney tune that uh, has lyrics that are, are, are considered racist today, but in some ways were a protest uh, back then, uh, or a lament, I suppose, especially the way Ella sang it, very slowly. And we heard uh, in that uh, particular version of the band, Tommy Fulford on piano, along with Pete Clark, Taft Jordan, uh, doing a nice obligato to the vocal, and uh, Teddy McRae on tenor sax. Then a kind of a jam session, pseudo-Dixielandy version of the Darktown Strutter's Ball. Most of these tunes we're going to hear had some kind of an arrangement. They might have been the big band arrangements just played with fewer musicians. Uh, Darktown Strutter's Ball was recorded by the big band on that transcription series that I had mentioned that was on our earlier podcast. It had some of the same elements as this recording, but this was definitely a, a freer one, and featured a full chorus bass sax solo by Teddy McRae. The discographies say it was a baritone sax, but it was definitely a bass sax. Also Pete Clark on clarinet, uh, John or, uh, Tommy Fulford on piano, and uh, some good Dixieland drums by Chick Webb, and a, an ensemble chorus that uh, got things going right before the last vocal over the uh, stop time. 
And then we finished up with a ballad performance, and we're going to hear that uh, these Savoy eight sessions start to lean on the ballads a little bit more because Ella was a, a great ballad performer, even at this stage of her career when she was only about 20 years old. If You Ever Should Leave, and uh, this was a uh, tune that was uh, composed <coughs> by... Um, have to look it up here. Sammy Kahn and Saul Chaplin, as will be the next one we're going to hear to lead off the next set. And uh, that featured more or less the same band, except Bobby Johnson played guitar and Louis Jordan played alto sax, replacing Pete Clark. And those were, that was from May 24th of 1937, featured some nice tenor sax and piano as well. So we're going to uh, feature the other uh, uh, tune from that session, the flip side of that recording, also by Kahn and Chaplin, called Everyone's Wrong But Me, and we'll hear Ella doing her best on that. Following that, we're going to hear um, four tunes from another Savoy 8 session. Actually, this was from several sessions, uh, from December of 1937 and January of 1938, two tunes each. The first session had By Mirbis to Shane, the Victorine tune that was a big hit for the Andrews sisters at the time, and It's My Turn Now which uh, was a, uh, a good tune by uh, Kahn and Chaplin again. There was obviously a connection there uh, with them and this particular series. After that, we're going to hear a tune that almost made it to standard status. Not quite, though, but pretty close. A uh, Mitchell Parrish and Stuff Smith tune called It's Wonderful. A very pretty tune there. And then one of my very favorite George Gershwin tunes, I think it was one of his last tunes, actually, was called I Was Doing All Right. And uh, those four tunes, as I mentioned, were from uh, December 21st of 1937, January 25th of 1938, featuring the same band uh, that we just talked about. Taft Jordan, Sandy Williams, Louis Jordan, Teddy McRae, um, Tommy Fulford, Bobby Johnson, uh, uh, Beverly Peer on bass, and Chick Webb on drums, all backing Ella Fitzgerald. And these were the Ella Fitzgerald Savoy 8 recordings. So those are our selections for the next set. Everyone's Wrong But Me by Mir Bistashane. It's my turn now. It's wonderful. And I was doing all right. <laughs> Oh, oh. 
them you love me right from the start and when they disagree just you tell them everyone was wrong but me expressions that really fit you and so I rack my brain hoping to explain all the things that you do to me by mere fist of shame please let me explain by mere fist of shame means that you're grand by mere fist of shame again I'll explain it means you're the fairest in the land I could say Bella, Bella, even say Wunderbar. Each language only helps me tell you how grand you are. I've tried to explain by mere fist of shame. So kiss me and say you understand. It means you're the fairest in the land I could say Bella, Bella Even say Wunderbar Each language only helps me tell you how grand you are So kiss me and say you understand Each language only helps me tell you how when you 
chance You laughed at our romance And so it's matter now You knew that I Would always be right there That's why you played unfair And so it's matter now It's time you started paying For every lonely night And though you keep on saying Two wrongs don't make a right Still it's matter now And should I choose to go My heart would whisper no Although it's matter now Wonderful 
to know that you love me. Love isn't one big blunder. 
But when you hold me tight Tingling all through I feel somehow I was doing all right But I'm doing better, better than ever So you can hear Ella Fitzgerald's Way With a Pop tune. And uh, this, of course, served her in very good stead later on as she moved into the 1950s and started uh, doing the songbook albums for Verve Records with her manager, Norman Grantz. Uh, This was after she had led the Chick Webb Band following Chick's death for several years, up into the World War II years. It was known as Ella Fitzgerald and her famous orchestra. And then after that, uh, the band kind of broke up, as many big bands did, and she started doing some uh, solo recordings with choirs and uh, rhythm sections and so forth. She actually toured with Dizzy Gillespie's big band in 1947, uh, doing a southern tour there, 46-47, and uh, got into the uh, bebop movement a little bit. She was a star on the uh, Jazz of the Philharmonic concerts in the late 40s, early 50s, and that's when she uh, began to work for Norman Grants, and he took over as her manager and got her recording all of those great songbook albums where uh, she became known as one of the great interpreters of American popular song. But the roots go back to these recordings, the Chick Webb recordings and the Savoy uh, 8 recordings as well. We started out with Everyone's Wrong But Me, which uh, was a, a nice Con and Chaplin tune from 1937. Uh, we heard some uh, trombone in there, a little bit by Sandy Williams, as well as a little bit of tenor sax by Teddy McRae. Teddy McRae was a good jazz player and a good arranger. I don't know if he was a... Uh, responsible for any of these arrangements. They might have been cut-down versions of the big band charts they were playing or publisher's stock arrangements. Uh, Hard to tell at this stage. He was a very good player. Uh, Here he was doing more melodic, almost hotel band tenor style, just bringing out the melody, as was Tommy Fulford on piano, playing sort of a cocktail piano style, uh, probably because that's what was demanded by the producers. And he's heard on several of these recordings as well. The next tune is By Mir Bistachane, based on uh, an old Yiddish song. And uh, this had an odd little arrangement to it. We had a clarinet in the ensemble, which must have been played by Louis Jordan, who was not known as a clarinet player, but he must have played it because the other uh, saxophone player was Teddy McRae, and you could hear him playing tenor in there. Then we went to It's My Turn Now, which featured, uh, uh, again, uh, actually some wonderful trumpet playing, muted trumpet playing by Taft Jordan, who uh, didn't feature himself or was not featured as a muted player too often. He had a big, beautiful open sound in the Louis Armstrong style, and uh, that's usually how he was featured. After that, we went to January 25th of 1938. Those two recordings were December 21st of 1937, and we heard two... standard tunes that are still in the repertoire today, Uh, maybe not A1 standards, but A2, I suppose. We heard It's Wonderful, a Stuff Smith and Mitchell Parrish tune that featured Teddy McRae on tenor sax, and I Was Doing All Right, a marvelous George Gershwin tune uh, with lyrics by Ira Gershwin, featured some piano by Tommy Fulford, but all of these are elevated by the beautiful singing of Ella Fitzgerald, who could just float over a, a melodic line and recast it by just changing a few notes, not in the way that Billie Holiday did, which was sometimes to change it so much that it was unrecognizable, but here uh, Ella Fitzgerald really just kind of brought out the melodic structure of these tunes by her very slight variations and 
uh, her use of vibrato and and, uh, her phrasing and dynamics and so forth. Songwriters obviously liked her singing a great deal, and she got a lot of very good songs to sing, whereas Billie Holiday, at least at the beginning of her recording career, had to kind of make do with the dregs of the tunes that were uh, coming out of Tin Pan Alley. The uh, more established stars on her recording labels got the better tunes first, and she was left with what was left over. But Ella seemed to have a, a, a good choice of tunes here. So we have one more set of Savoy Ballroom, or Savoy 8, I should say. The Savoy Ballroom 8 was a Louis Armstrong group. Um, these go into 1938 and 39. There are some more that we're not going to play. We just don't have enough time. They're mostly more of the pop tune variety. Uh, but these are good tunes, as we will hear. We're going to hear from May 3rd of 1938, the same group uh, that we've been talking about. Uh, we're going to hear You Can't Be Mine and Someone Else's Too by J.C. Johnson and Chick Webb. J.C. Johnson was an African-American um, songwriter who was best known in the 1920s, but this is a tune from this period, I believe. And If You Only Knew by Charlie Beale, who was a an African-American piano player along with Chick Webb. So interesting that they recorded two tunes that were not uh, by white songwriters on this date, which was May 3rd, 1938. Then after that, we are going to hear uh, a tune called Strictly from Dixie, which sounds kind of grim. Uh, James Cavanaugh, Chick Webb, and uh, Harry Brooks did this. Harry Brooks was another African-American piano player who wrote for shows. This has a great solo by a new player who replaced Louis Jordan, Hilton Jefferson, who was the lead alto player of so many bands in the 1930s and 40s, uh, with Fletcher Henderson, with Cab Calloway, with Noble Sissel, and uh, with this Chick Webb band for a few years as well. Also, he was with Claude Hopkins and many, many others. He briefly played with Duke Ellington in the late 1940s. And he'll have a nice solo on here, strictly from Dixie. And that is from August 18th of 1938. Then we're going to finish up with two tunes from April 21st of 1939. The same group with uh, Hilton Jefferson in this case. We're going to hear uh, If You Ever Change Your Mind and the standard Don't Worry About Me. And that will round out our Ella Fitzgerald uh, Savoy 8 show for today. So those are our tunes on this uh, series coming up. You Can't Be Mine and Someone Else's Too, If You Only Knew, uh, Strictly from Dixie, If You Ever Change Your Mind and Don't Worry About Me. <laughs> Can't be mine 
And someone else is true Perfect rhyme 
If you only knew what your love could do, you would say okay, darling, either way. If you only knew, if you only knew.
we could have said goodbye. A million times I've wondered if you feel the same as I. I'm so lonesome I could cry, though you left my love behind. I'd wait an endless eternity. Makes no difference who once appealed to you. I'll be gentle, sweet, and kind, dear, if you ever change your mind. Thank you. 
Give your heart and your love to whomever you love. Don't, don't be a fool. Darling, why should you cling to some fading thing that used to be? Yes, if you can forget, don't worry about me. Someone who looks good to you, you're free, don't worry about me. So there we have Ella Fitzgerald and her Savoy 8. And we finished up with two tunes from April 21st of 1939. Um, don't Worry About Me was our final tune featuring a nice Teddy McRae tenor solo. And if you ever change your mind. Before that, we heard Strictly from Dixie, kind of an unusual tune, unusual pick for a session like this, August 18th of 1938, and that featured Hilton Jefferson on alto sax and Sandy Williams on trombone. Some nice quality solos from those two. And we started out with two from uh, May 3rd of 1938, You Can't Be Mine and If You Only Knew. You Can't Be Mine had a nice uh, trumpet solo by Taft Jordan, as well as a tenor sax solo by uh, Teddy McRae, and If You Only Knew had a piano solo by Tommy Fulford, all supporting the vocal stylings and efforts of Ella Fitzgerald, who, as I said, was really moving into pop song territory here, as opposed to some of the more nursery rhymey and uh, riffy types of tunes that she had been singing with the big band with Chick Webb, which had given her her initial fame. But if you listen to the broadcast that Chick Webb did, we have quite a few examples of her singing pop tunes uh, that she didn't record, um, and she was obviously well-known as a singer uh, at that time. And she was responsible for elevating the Chick Webb uh, band in terms of popularity and commercial popularity. They were kind of an early crossover act, not just African-American audiences, but white audiences as well, uh, liked her voice and the Chick Webb band, too. So for about four or five years, that was one of the top big bands in New York. And uh, after Chick's death, as I said, Ella took it over and toured with it for another two or three years. Years, and it had a modicum of success. Certainly it uh, sounded good, and she always sounded good as well. So you've been listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Hope you've enjoyed this program. If you're interested in sponsoring us, we'd love to get some more members of the family. Hit that little button wherever it is on your browser uh, for a one-time sponsorship or a monthly sponsorship as well. Lots more programs to come. We have uh, lots of ideas coming up, so I uh, hope you're enjoying these and hope you make a habit of tuning in. So I'll see you on the other side.